As entrepreneurs, we face all kinds of challenges, and that's what we're about at AESNation.com is helping you accelerate your success. But we've got a really big challenge today. It's one that we all face. How do we take care of our key employees with healthcare? I mean, with escalating costs, all kinds of uh, evolving, I'll use the word evolving regulatory requirements. And if we do it right, we can gain an unfair competitive advantage, boost the productivity of our employees, gain real clarity on our budget, and really make a difference. Well, we have a very special guest that is going to help us, David Berg. He was able to redesign his own healthcare for his employees and to increase, I mean, dramatically their productivity and reduce the cost by about 30% per, you know, right off the bat. I mean, think of 30% on healthcare, where this is a big thing. In today's podcast, we're going to go over exactly how you can have healthier employees and reduce the cost of your healthcare. I'm John Bowen. We're at AESNation.com. Stay tuned. This is going to be extremely valuable. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com David Berg, I am so excited to have you here joining us for the power of Skype. You're in Phoenix, I'm in Silicon Valley, and we are here to make a difference with our fellow entrepreneurs. So thank you for joining us. Hey, John. Well, it's always a pleasure. I mean, uh, uh, you and I are in a couple mastermind groups together, and uh, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, who's really one of the kind of the co-founders of AES Nation, was telling me, I'm going, who are some of the remarkable people out there? And Dan goes, you know, you've got to talk with David. David is on the verge of transforming the healthcare industry. And if there ever was an industry that needs transforming, and this is both, this is one of the few things almost everybody agrees inside and outside of an industry, there's a need with that escalating costs, you know, the, the, just the benefits, the, the whole health issues that we all face. David, you know, before we go into the solutions, because I mean, you're doing some pretty amazing things, I want to go into your background. I want to, you know, so everybody knows who you are, what you're doing, and how you reach to this. Because I mean, you don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to transform the healthcare industry when you're a young man. It, it takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things going on. So share with me, how, how did you get here? Oh, well, the, the truth is, um, I went into chiropractic college in Toronto because I couldn't think of anything else to do. It was just a lack of creativity, if I were really telling the truth. And um, I got to say, I probably recognized a year before I graduated that maybe it's not quite what I wanted to do. I started realizing that I was more of a, a process guy, and uh, and I love business. And uh, I've, I've been accused many times of being uh, more like an engineer than a than a doctor, and uh, mainly by my engineer friends. <laughs> And uh, so I grew up in Toronto and um, studied there. And we moved to Phoenix in 1995. And when we came down here, 
We really didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about the healthcare system. I knew quite a bit about the Canadian healthcare system, stuff that was good about, stuff that was awful about it. I mean, there's some things terrible, some things that were pretty good. Um, and then when I moved down here, I just didn't have a clue what was going on, and there was just no way to figure it out from reading books or talking to people. And it, it, it seemed like everybody was telling you a different story. Everybody had a different agenda, whether it was an insurance company or a hospital administrator or a specialist or a primary care doc or another chiropractor. I mean, everybody, the patients, everybody had a different take on what they needed out of the system and how to do it. And, uh, you know, the one group that we found always told a consistent lie to us was our patients. They always told us the same thing. It wasn't true, but it was the same thing. I mean, they'd tell us things like, oh, you're supposed to answer your phone when we call you, and you're supposed to return your calls, and you're not supposed to make you wait in the waiting room too long. So we just had to figure out ways to make that happen, create process to make those things happen. And they'd complain that they didn't like walking from the end of the parking lot, so we had to create a process to make sure the best parking was at the front. We just over and over again just listened to the, the customer, because they were the only ones giving us a consistent answer to what we need to do. And coming from Canada, dramatically different system. We had no idea how to work the American system. And where it was a huge disadvantage for us for about two years, we, uh, we learned how to adapt and how to learn and how to listen to a customer and apply process to it to the point now where we're, we're significantly bigger and well, let me um, stop you here david because this sure. is this is important you know for all entrepreneurs i mean uh, you know we get all this market research and everything i mean our firm i've got two phds doing all this research a lot yeah of you gotta have money to do that well you gotta have <laughs> well you have to have some money to do that but but it's you know it really what you're doing is you're just listening to clients and, and future clients on what they want and I, i'll tell you this is just so invaluable having the market research and the simplest way is just asking your clients or customers, and they're going to give you some amazing feedback, you know, over and over again as entrepreneurs. So tell, tell me, you know, David, the business you have now, you know, I mean, I know you have two businesses. One, you know, go with, you know, kind of the, the, how you got started in Phoenix and, you know, opening one and then multiple locations, you know, as you listened, what was working. And, you know, I, I always love the term uh, nail and scale. <laughs> nail you meaning you're delivering the client experience the clients want from you. Okay, you gotta be able to deliver profitable, everything else, and then you scale up. And you did both. And why don't we start, you know, you, you kind of covered a little bit of the nail. Uh, tell me how you finished that off and then scaling up to multiple locations, because this is you know, as entrepreneurs, we're, you know, we're always looking, you know, how can we grow best to support not only our customers, but build a great quality of life for ourselves and all the stakeholders. Sure. You know, one of the things that uh, our customer told us over and over again is, hey, when, when we live in Phoenix, a lot of people move here and a lot of people bring their families here, their extended families. And they said, hey, when, when, uh, when they need it, my family comes here and they need a doctor, you got to be their doctor. And uh, we didn't know that it was okay to close your panel and stop accepting patients like everyone else was doing. We just didn't know it. And uh, so we just had to figure out a process to keep expanding. And originally, we just kept expanding in the same place, got bigger and bigger and bigger from 5,000 square feet to, I think we got to about, let's say, 22,000 square feet, just kept adding on, adding on, adding on. And um, in about 2007, 
I was getting killed with my healthcare costs. Every year I've seen 20% increases. It seemed like at least, I think I had one year at 15% and I was, you know, everyone told me I should be happy with that. But usually it was 20, 23, 25% increases. And I was doing what everyone else was doing, trying to hang on. I was raising the employee portion, what the employees had to pay and their deductibles, their premiums, their co-pays. And uh, more and more, we were, we were just knocking heads on, you know, it was an adversarial situation. and. Uh, Quite truthfully, it was it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for my employees either. And in 2007, we decided to, to just tear it down and start all over again. Let me stop you here because a lot of us are at this point now. You got there in 2007, but so many of us, you know, okay, healthcare costs are raising, you know, pretty significantly. We're asking our employees to pay larger and larger shares, which for some reason they don't really like, and. <laughs> You know, all of that, the quality of care seems to be going down in so many places. And many of the healthcare groups have kind of the, have made, are no longer taking patients or restrictive. And, you know, that's affecting the overall productivity. I mean, these are all bad things, David. And, uh, you know, you yep. were facing them in 2007. Because, I mean, all of us now know that feeling. We're there. So what, what did you do? All right. So we only had the one center at that time. And uh, I'm going to fast forward because I know you're, you're getting there. We now have, uh, I think we got nine centers going on 10. Do you, I've kind of lost track of them. We've got a 10th one. I think it's 10th one come on board uh, in about next three months. Um, but we've used all of our healthcare savings in order to fund that. So think of that for a second. In an industry where everybody's contracting in healthcare, joining hospitals and consolidating, We've gone from one clinic to 10 clinics in about three and a half year period. And I'll tell you, I funded the entire thing with my healthcare savings. So 2007, and I'll, let me back up. So we are spending the same money today as we spent in 2007, and we're covering way more employees. And in 2015, when we redo our, our new health plan, we will have 100% coverage for all our families, for our full-time employees, and for all our employees who are part-time. And the reason we can do that is because last year we saved about $700,000. So, I, mean, I want to stop here because you know, one of the things we get asked, I'm you know, on the financial side, as you know, David, and, and many entrepreneurs are looking for capital to really expand and so on. And you're kind of saying, well, it's there already. You know, it's we, there already. Yeah. It's there already. And, and you, anytime you can get rid of waste and inefficiency, that capital is ready to be deployed, whether it's to expand your business, hire more people, give raises, buy a boat, you know, whatever you want to do with it. And um, over the course of 2007, uh, we just figured out how to save more and more money every single year and improve the benefits and improve the health of our people. And uh, quite frankly, healthcare is a tool for us at this point to help us grow our business. And when I say it's a tool, I would say that the our employee base, the majority of it is anywhere from $12 an hour to $18 an hour. That's the majority of our employee base. And to that um, wage, for that wage scale, healthcare is a very important thing. And when you can offer uh, free healthcare, essentially, unlimited free healthcare, that's excellent quality, that's uh, accessible and available to them, um, you get a lineup of people who want to work for you. And we have hundreds of people. If we put an ad out for a receptionist, we've got hundreds of people who want that job right now. It's, it's not just because they buy into the values, but because they, they, they want the health care. And when, when we can provide $10,000 worth of health care, and it only costs us $1,500, $2,000 to do it, 
that's a huge competitive advantage, not just in others in our industry, but for those people that could work in other industries as well. No, this is great. Let me go to this segment here. And David, what I'd like you to do is to share, you know, the big breakthrough. I mean, this is huge. Um, you know, we're, you know we're, we, one of the things I love is unfair competitive advantages. Uh, this is only for our community here at AESNation.com. What are, you know, I mean, you've encountered the challenge, this escalating costs, you know, the, the whole healthcare thing, you overcame it and you took your business to a much higher level. And you went from one, you know, growing business to now uh, 10. Um, what were some of the key things that entrepreneurs, your fellow entrepreneurs need to know that they can do right now to help them achieve the same things you did so they could accelerate their businesses? Okay, so the very key thing is they have to think differently. They have to think the unthinkable. They have to stop listening to the experts. When I say stop listening to the experts, I don't mean that the experts have nothing of value, but we have to stop letting the experts decide for us. And that's the problem that I had when I was giving, having 20% increases, is I was letting the experts decide what I should do next. And uh, when I started realizing that I'm the person who had to make that decision, um, it, that was the first thing. And when I started demanding that I understood where the, where the money was going, dramatic things changed. The first time I wrote a check and I realized that a baby cost $6,000, that was eye-opening to me because I didn't know what a baby cost before. Mm -hmm. So when I was able to create a system where I got to write the checks and just see what things cost, I mean, I could figure it out from there. And then the next baby cost me $15,000. And to me, for everything I could tell, it was the same baby. Man, it could have been the same doctor. It's just different, different hospital, different facility. I'm going, hey, something's wrong here, right? This is something, something's wrong. And um, so the first thing is just think the unthinkable and just be, just un understand that the experts are never going to be aligned with the entrepreneur. Never. There's never a chance they're going to be totally aligned. So use them for their knowledge because they have very valuable knowledge, but don't use them to make the decision for you. That is a mistake that I made and I think many entrepreneurs make. And it's the biggest shift we got to get people to make first. But then once we do that, that's when a whole bunch of things open up. But until they do that, nothing I'm going to talk about now really even matters. Right? So it's not so much about giving this information to people who need it because everybody needs it. Every company needs it. But only some want it. And what we're experiencing is that medium, small size entrepreneurial business also want it. When you start talking to bureaucratic, bigger corporate government entities, they really don't want it, right? They might need it, but they don't want it. Let's so assume the first that, thing that everybody I, listening uh, on the audio podcast or watching this on video podcast, they want to be successful on purpose. They're there. They, they, uh, they value experts, but they're, they can make their own decisions. They're gonna, they understand that not all the government experts are aligned with them. They're ready to go. What should they be doing now that they're, they're kind of there with you, David, and they go, okay, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make some changes that are gonna be great for my employees, great for my business, and it's gonna in increase our productivity so we can serve our clients well. So John, th that's the problem. There's nothing for you to do first there's things for you to think first, things mm -hmm. for you to understand first. Mm -hmm. And everyone's trying to jump into doing with healthcare before they've really figured out what the strategy is for, that makes sense for their company. So, how, so how there's do I... two main problems. There's two main problems. That if, there, you know, there's thousand problems in healthcare, but there's two main ones that if we fix them, 
all the other ones really don't matter too much. So let's think it out. What are those two problems that we want to solve? Because if we're busy solving, putting energy in, uh, and allocating resources into problem three, four, five, ten, thirty, thousand, five, but we don't address one and two first, we're wasting time. And that's what I see happening with entrepreneurs is they're focusing on things like wellness programs. Oh, I got to get my smokers to quit smoking, or I'm only going to, I'm, I'm going to only hire healthy people, right? They're focusing on the wrong things because they're not thinking right about it. The prob and Dan Sullivan says it best. He says, the problem is never what you think it is. It's always the way you're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So it's not about doing something differently first. It's about thinking about it first. So let me tell you the two problems that if a business would solve, takes care of almost all the rest. And that's really what Redirect Health did, is it just realized that only a, only a couple things matter, and we need to get excellent at a couple of those things, at those things. And here's the first one. It is impossible to be a great healthcare consumer in the existing system, meaning that there's non-transparency of pricing and there's huge price differentials. Somebody can get a, a, a Lipitor, the most common um, cholesterol-lowering medication, can cost $14.14 at the Safeway a mile and a half from here. At the, C at the CVS across the, uh, across the street, it can cost double, double that, more than that. It's $40, I believe. And there's a great app I, I shared with you earlier that can tell you what those prices are. Similarly, that same Lipitor, put it in a shiny box and give it a brand name, exact same drug, can now go from $14 to $256 in the same store, in the same pharmacy. Those kinds of price differentials are all over the place. Hosp uh, you know, the, the worst one that I've seen is amoxicillin which is the most common uh, antibiotic. So anyone who's had an ear infection or pneumonia or strep throat has been prescribed it. The differential on that is $18 to $960. Think of that difference. So how can you possibly be a healthcare consumer if that differential exists in the marketplace and you don't know that it exists and somebody else is paying the bill? You're not the purchaser and, and the you know, your user, but you're not the purchaser of it. What about hospitals? All day long, we see that you can, MRIs can, if people don't know, they don't know, they're going to pay $2,000, $3,000 for an MRI at the local hospital emergency room. That same MRI is only $400 across the street. Or babies, like I mentioned earlier, go from 6000 to 17000 in my Phoenix market. Knowing where those price differentials are, are the first step to being a great yeah, healthcare no, consumer. I mean, Would you agree? Yeah, having gone, some of the things, I had a little health uh, I had a little walking pneumonia earlier this year, and so I took the drugs and a couple, you know, just all the healthcare. And part of that, I'd never really been sick, and just seeing the difference in cost, uh, you know, it's just it's an amazing dealing with that transparency. And we're going to talk about. I'll bring up the app in a little bit, but because I, I think just that simple illustration is so powerful. Okay, so first thing is. People, the, here's a big problem as we saw. People cannot be great healthcare consumers. They can't even be marginal healthcare consumers the way the system's set up. Here's the second problem. Even if they could figure it out with apps, with knowledge, if we gave them the data, it wouldn't matter because the system is designed right now to not benefit them or the employer, the purchaser or the user of healthcare. Those are the two main problems that if you solve them, if we create a system, if a company, an entrepreneurial company creates a healthcare system for themselves, such that if smart decisions are made, the company and the employee gets rewarded for it, right? And they do that, and they do that first. And then secondly, they facilitate 
great decision making. So David, help me out with, I just want to go to the system. I, I, I want to make sure all of us are together on this. When you say the system isn't designed for the consumer, give me a couple of examples where you think it's really broken. All right, so let's say that you purchase uh, insurance from a traditional payer. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who they are. Um, and your employee makes a poor decision or no decision, and they end up going to a hospital for their MRI, and it costs them $2,500. Well, the truth is it might only cost them $100 or $25 or $400 because of their copay or the deductibles, how that sets. Well, somebody's going to pay the other, other amount. So let's say they make a poor decision, meaning they could have gone for $400 price tag for an MRI, but they end up going for the $2,500 one. The insurance company's going to pay that, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> and they're going to raise your premium next year, right? So who's going to win in that deal? Are you going to win? Uh, no, You're not going to win. The, the insurance company is going to get more money next year from you. They're going to give you a 20% increase, 15, whatever it is, to pay for it. And, and they're going to put you in a pool and do it with everybody else. Well, then I'll say, let's say, that, the, let's say that, that your employee makes the right decision, a smart decision. They know that why would I go to a hospital, get a $2,500 MRI when I can go get a $400 one? It might even be a little cheaper for the employee. But uh, if they, let's say they did that. Let's say they went there. Who's going to benefit from your employee going for the, the less expensive, higher value MRI? Are you going to value it? Are you going to um, benefit from that as the employer? No, your insurance company will have a higher profit that year. So your insurance company will win either this year or next year. Well, and the, the consumer, for the most part, is usually indifferent because of the co-pays and so on, or, you know, it's not as big a savings. So, I mean, I, so the system is broken. Or they don't know. Or they don't know. Yeah, and, and in many cases, I, you know, I'm in a concierge service, and I know the it's so kind of it's it's so broken. You know the the doctor is my generalist uh, is just a great guy, and he's a good entrepreneur. And he you know he asks always, okay, what kind of health insurance do you have? You know you have these options. He's going through some of the things that you are going through. You know you can go to the hospital he's you know, affiliated with that's across the street and uh, get the MRI for X, or you can go down to the place, you know, it's a few hundred dollars, you know, probably doesn't make that much difference to you, you know, well, with your company, you know, and it gets going in this. And I can see where most people shut down. One of the things that I love about what you're doing, David, is you didn't shut down. I, I want to go to the next section, which is passion. And I want to share, you took this and like many entrepreneurs, you see a problem, you're experiencing it personally, you've dealt with it in your business, and now you're building a business to share it with other entrepreneurs. The key that I'm looking for here, David, is what are you doing now that you're really passionate about? You know, I'm thinking about the redirect health. I mean, what, what are you doing in that to, to, to make this work? Yeah, so I freed up all my time from uh, my main company and uh, I've got a CEO running it now, and uh, it's self-managing. And Dan Sullivan was instrumental in helping me get that done in the last year. So now all my time is on redirect health. And um, we are reaching out to the broker community and educating them. We're reaching out to the business community. We have had several, several meetings with uh, uh, governments and larger corporations, and they all agree they need it, but there's really no mechanism for them to deploy it. So all our efforts right now are with the smaller and medium-sized entrepreneurs. So companies anywhere from 
say 20 is the smallest we've gone to. I think the highest we've gone to is about 2,500. And what do you do, you know, because we know the problem now. You've been really articulating this, David. So what's the solution? How does, you know, how does your your group help other entrepreneurs? So step one is we get them thinking differently about it. Step two is we build them a system, right? We build a system with real insurance in it. And there's a bunch of components to the system. And we don't have time to go into all the components that are there. But I will tell you that the most important part is not the components in the system. It's how the components connect and touch each other and interact with each other. So there is a self-insurance component to it, meaning that, of course, the, uh, you've, you've got to have uh, catastrophic coverage. But we don't have to have first dollar coverage. Things are much less expensive if we pay for them as they're happening than if we pay an insurance company then has to pay them later. Remove just dollars and dollars and dollars and percentages of inefficiencies and administration in that system. So first thing we do is we build them a system. That's the first thing. And it's a system that's theirs. We're there at the center of it. Not their insurance company, but they use insurance. Insurance is very important in their system, but we put them in the center of it. Then the second part of it is, we set up, um, we, faci- we facilitate learning for their employees. We help them understand where the best prices are. And there's a big data analytics play when we get, get to the execution. We use, we have a, a data analytics platform that helps us identify the 10% of the people in an organization, and that could be kids and, and spouses as well, who are going to spend about 90% of the money. Right? 10% are going to spend 90% of the money. Think about that for a second. So if we can identify that 10% are going to spend that money, we already know that they have you know, 80% of those, that 10%, they have diabetes, they have asthma, they use narcotics, they have anxiety and depression issues. There's not a whole lot beyond that. Of course, we have some other things that can drive up costs as well. But we just hit 80% of the 10% that are going to, spend, that are going to account for 90% of all the money. Think of that for a second. So if we can take those 10% of the people and we can lower their cost by a third or even a half, which is what we're experiencing, that frees up a lot of cash to then serve the other 90% of the people who are only spending 10% of the money. And it's about understanding where the money is being wasted and where it would be beneficial to redeploy it. All this stuff we do in business already, right? I, I don't want to focus on the um, the overweight smoker mm-hmm. who's spending 2% of the money. That's a lot of effort for no return. I'd rather focus on the, um, the employee who has a, a four-year-old little girl with asthma and make sure that they always have their asthma inhaler so they never have to go to the emergency room. That's a, that's a $100 investment that's going to save me potentially $10,000 over the year. And yeah. we don't have to do that a lot of times. We just have to do it excellently the four or five or six times that it presents itself during the year. And so no, this that's is the good. biggest strategy. There's a lot more, obviously, but that's the most important one. Well, I mean, you're being too logical for healthcare, David. It's confusing. <laughs> confusing. <laughs> no, I mean, really. And, you know, we all know Pareto principle, 80-20 in healthcare. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it's you know, 90-10 or even that top 5% doing, you know, even over 90, I mean, on, on some plans. And so th- this is, you know, being very logical, you know, pulling it together. I want to go to the next segment because this is a great example of that cost containment you're talking about. And this is the application of the day. And 
David, you, you started to talk about one on the prescription side. You know, tell us about this. Well, um, GoodRx is just a free app. At least it's free today. I'm going to pull it up on the screen. And for those of you who are not on the video side, uh, you can remember you can always go and get the, the transcription, the, all the links that David and I talk about, as well as the show notes at aesnation.com. Uh, but this is goodrx.com. And I've, I've got it up on screen, and they're showing some pretty big difference in prices here. David, how, how does this work? So I can't see what you're looking at right now. Yeah, we won't go John. over the prices, but you know the site. I mean, wh what yeah. are they doing? So, so what you can do is you pull up the, the medication that you would need, whether it's Lipitor or amoxicillin. Those are the, the, those are the two very common ones, Lipitor for cholesterol, amoxicillin for upper respiratory infections. And uh, you'll see that in the same store, the same mile, that the differential can go between $14 for Lipitor to $250 in the same store, in the same mile. Similarly, uh, for moxicillin, in, in Phoenix anyway, it goes from $18 to $960. It's, it's just crazy. You I, wouldn't yeah, see that I in a mean, pair of shoes yeah. or TV or, or anything. Yeah. Right? You have a loaf of bread. You just don't see those differentials. Plus, if you did, everybody would know about it. Well, and these, and, and these are commodities, too. I mean, they, they're clearly, they, are, they, they have they're, to they're be generic, the same. They're <laughs> off patent. Yeah. There's just, you and I could set it up in our basement and create a lab and do this, I think. Yeah. I'm sure there's some FDA regulations around it, but we get around them. No, it's, and to see that kind of price differences, and this is, you know, when we see something broken is the, you know, capitalism does work. I mean, uh, you know, free markets, a free hand. There's no free market in healthcare. It's all about non-transparency and fooling people. And quite frankly, it looks like trickery to me um, when I look at it now that I know how to get around it and, and I see the obstacles that others are facing from a different from the other side of it and go, wow, uh, there's well, some firewalls here to stop people, the entrepreneur from even. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a shell out. game going on. Plus, you know, the, certainly there's not an invitation for entrepreneurs to come in and change what has been a pretty good game for an awful lot of people for a long time. So as oh, soon as the entrepreneur decides to get together with their employees and work as a team, healthcare gets remarkably easy for them. Unfortunately, what happens is we are pulled apart from our employees, right? We've got the, you know, we have the insurance companies and the brokers saying to us, the employer, hey, give us your trust. Don't, don't trust your employees. They're overutilizing care. They're smoking. They're over, they're, they're, they're whatever. They're, they're abusing their medications. Don't trust the doctors or the hospitals. Look at how much they're charging. And then on the other side of it, our employees, the doctors and the pharmaceutical companies are saying, hey, give us your trust. Don't trust your employer. They're the ones who got you this crummy insurance policy that raised your deductible, that raised your premium. And don't trust the insurance company. They're the ones trying to increase or deny your care. So give us your trust. But we all have to realize that the healthcare system and the insurance system never have the best interest, cannot be financially aligned with the purchase and user of healthcare, right? No, this is so good. because It I mean, never can be, but when the purchase and user come together, they want exactly the same things. They want quality care, they want lower pricing, they want accessibility, they want availability, they want it to be easy, they want increased productivity, they, want, they don't wanna have to go into the doctor to find out their lab results were normal. They want to hear it over the phone. Well, this is so good because you're building consensus. You know, this is, we're talking about creating high-performing teams. I mean, 
This is one of the best ways. You're giving something of real value to them. You're aligned together against something that everybody knows is broken. And you're doing it as a benefit instead of a takeaway type thing or, you know, telling them that they have to do this or they have to do that. It's like we're all in this together. Oh, that's great, David. Let, let me go to the next segment. And this is the book of the day. You're an entrepreneur. I know you're out there. You know, I'm in the masterminds groups with you and we have a virtual mastermind here at AES Nation. Uh, you've got books behind you. I've got books behind you, uh, behind me. Uh, what's one that you want to, you know, that really made a difference in you, your thinking and you want to share with other uh, entrepreneurs, your fellow entrepreneurs? Oh, you know, I, I obviously love all Dan Sullivan stuff and I've read it all so many times and been part of Coach for a long time. So I'm going to skip that one right now because I'm sure everyone listening to this is... Uh, has, has read his stuff, but I really like I really like Clay Christensen's stuff. And Steven Spears was a student of uh, Clay Christensen, and Clay Christensen, disruptive, uh, uh, or innovators dilemma, innovator solution, and uh, he did one called Innovator's Prescription too that I think was right on. I've got some tips for him though if you ever would want them, <laughs> or I think he's off just a little bit. Uh, but Steven Spears studied under him. He wrote a book called Chasing the Rabbit. And uh, now he's rewritten it. It's called uh, High Velocity Edge. And uh, excellent books. All my managers have read it. We, we've done it. And it just it talks about the importance of a lot of the stuff that we just talked about today, just the strategy and process and just thinking out what we're doing before we do it. And uh, using a lot of Clay Christensen's uh, um, perspective on things. I mean, if I can give you, you know, one quick example um, that not necessarily from the books but just an idea is we talked about listening to the customer earlier and that is something that goes through our whole organization and it's a filter that almost every decision goes through is understanding who is the true customer in this in any one situation and understanding their articulated needs the needs they can tell us about but then more importantly understanding those non-articulated needs that they can never tell us that they want and there are always needs around confusion or isolation or powerlessness or guilt, right? No. Right. So, for instance, when when I, when, I'm, when, I, I see, when when one of our clinics sees a a little child and the dad brings him in, guess what? The child's not the customer, the decision maker. The dad's not even the decision maker. Dad's just the taxi. The real customer's at home or at work. Really, is the mom. And the real non-articulate need that we need to take care of is mom feeling guilty that she's prioritized. Um, her career over taking her child to the doctor's office. So we find ways to satisfy our customer. And that could be a phone call to her and say, hey, just want to update you on what's going on with little Sally and blah, blah, blah. And um, it makes the husband, the taxi, look like a hero too. So we're always thinking about who's the decision maker beyond just the patient, the user of the service, and bringing them together and making sure they all get what they need. But Clay Christensen talks about um, always understanding the real job our customer's hiring us to do. And he's got a famous milkshake example that, where the milkshake has a different meaning in the afternoon when you're trying to get the kids to quiet down and in the morning when you're, you know, once the last 20 minutes and, you know, feed you on your way into work, right? It's a, the same milkshake might have a different job you're hiring it to do. And um, Stephen Spears takes that just a little bit further into the business world with Chasing the Rabbit. I will read that and let me go to the next segment. Sure. The resources, David, and I'm, I'm going to put up on the screen your uh, Arrowhead Health Center. It's arrowheadhealth.com. 
just so you could, you know, if anybody wants to take a look at David's core business, but I think the, the real resource for the entrepreneurs is at Redirect Health. And I particularly like the, the about section and you, you've got a, uh, you had the draw shop do a, draw, a brief uh, presentation that I thought was really powerful too. Are there any other resources, you know, what, anything you should point out to them on either of those websites? Um, I think that the main thing, uh, we've covered the main things. We really have. And it, it, too often we make it too complicated. And there really are only two things to solve in healthcare for the entrepreneurial business and get excellent at solving. And because if, if you solve these two things excellently, all the other thing just kind of goes away or becomes... I don't want to say irrelevant, becomes so unimportant, you can get back to building your widgets or servicing your widgets or creating new widgets. But just understand, if you can build your own healthcare system, and Redirect Health is, is awesome at helping people do it. And um, it's easy for us, and I understand it might be hard for an employer to do it, but once it's built, it's built. Then the tweaking part is where it becomes fairly easy. The hard part is just building it the first time. But it's not insurmountable. I mean, the stuff that a business owner deals with every day is way harder than building their own healthcare system. They just don't know how to do it. And then the second part of it is get in a mindset of continually teaming up with your employees to conquer this dragon, to beat this monster up by making smart decisions. It can't tolerate smart decisions. Smart decisions by consumers is its kryptonite. There is no doubt about it. Well, let me, let me go over this last thing. And this is the key takeaways, David. And, and let me just share with you what I'm taking away from this presentation. I, I got tons of notes here, but uh, you know, number one, it's impossible to be a great consumer of healthcare. I mean, they've made it very difficult to do. Just the one app example on, you know, pharmaceuticals. And I mean, we're talking about you know just one part of healthcare. It's it's hard, and it, we we need to recognize that it's kind of a little bit of a shell game. Second is that all the providers, whether it's insurance companies, the different medical groups, they're just, it's not, the system's not designed to support that increase in productivity and really reduction of cost that we want. So what I, I, that's number one. Number two, what I, I really love is that thinking strategically. We've got to think differently. We've got to not get caught up in the experts there. There's some focus on what's important. I mean, these are all the strategic things that we all know that we need to do. What are the most important things? And then putting the systems in place. And the, the third, and I think really you know, equally important, is building consensus with your employees. We want high-performance teams. This is a great incentive by enrolling them, enlisting them, building consensus. We can make a huge difference. David, I'll tell you, yeah, I really appreciate this interview and all the work you're doing to make a huge difference. Thank you for sharing your insights. You're welcome, John. Well, this is one where, you know, you've got, this is so important. I mean, particularly when we talk about David funding his business you know, growth by just making these decisions and doing it in a way that made his team even more productive. Your clients, your future clients, and all your employees they're counting on you. Don't let them down. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.